Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Because Jay Lethal and my kisses were always so like sweet and like, oh, and this was like, <laughs> <laughs> What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. So, Calval, we just saw footage from Karen's angle last week, and this situation seems to have become way out of hand since the wedding. You know, Lauren, I've thought about this all week. Jay and Sanjay want to fight like children. If they want to kill themselves over me, I don't care. Go ahead. They're going to hang this ring above the ring. Whoever gets the ring first gets me. It's as simple as that. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but there's no other way. I'm getting out of this nightmare. I have had it. So, Calval, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Can you give us the recipe for the quarantini today? Oh my gosh, you know, those who have been watching and enjoying Gaw TV with us, hashtag Gaw TV, little cheap little plug there. It's pretty complicated. It's basically like pineapple juice and like four different types of booze. It's a lot. It's, yeah. I've had seven already. I feel great. (laughs) (laughs) Is it more based on sort of what's just knocking around the house during quarantine? I think, you know, what we we decided that we wanted to use at least something that was healthy, like a juice or something, because people are trying to kind of be healthier depending on it, but they want to drink too. So there's some juice in there that's healthy for you. And alcohol kills bacteria. So basically, we're like a science lab over here. <laughs> how, how, are you, how are you finding uh, lockdown in Milton Keynes? You know, it's it's weird because I think most people that know me are like, gosh, you know, out of everyone I know, you must be really freaking out because you travel a lot. I do miss traveling and I've missed out on a couple of trips that I had planned, but to be honest, I'm sort of more productive than I've ever been. I have, you know, my little office set up here. I'm able to record interviews and, you know, do edits for Gaw TV and different things. And I'm, I've really made it a very productive time. And I think you can do one of two things. You can either come out of lockdown feeling refreshed and healthier, or you can just kind of lose it and have, but you know, you can have your bad days too. But for the most part, I've really tried to stay healthy and, and be productive. Otherwise I think I'd go crazy, crazier. How, how are you finding living with somebody during lockdown as well? Like you're not got into this nerves yet, have you? Not at all. And I hate that people are going to be pissed off. By that. <laughs> but, but I have to tell you, like, it's, it's funny because a, a lot of my girlfriends, I'm not going to name names, but so many of them are like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. My husband's in the house all the time and the kids are screaming. I'm like, well, we, you know, it's just myself and my husband here. He's still working, but he's, you know, he's around quite a bit. And, you know, he's, he's my best bud. We're just watching silly things at night and having a ball. And he's, he's the most fun ever. I think I'd be going crazy if I didn't have him, to be honest. What have you been watching that uh, you what, you, what have you made time for series-wise? Well, I, I tend to watch reruns all the time when he's not here. So I watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, a lot of Real Housewives, the kind of fluff stuff. Again, stuff that's not too intense, something that, you know, it's not going to make me, like, really have to think. It's just fluff television. And then when he's here, um, you know, we, there's a lot of different things we love. Uh, one of our favorite shows, Somebody Feed Phil, 
just came back onto, I believe it's Netflix. So that's something that we're looking forward to sitting down. And we just love shows that have to do with traveling and, and wine and food and, you know, seeing different parts of the world, especially because we can't right now. So that's one thing that we're excited to dive back into that series. A lot of people uh, may know, but some may don't, that uh, obviously you're, you're based in Milton Keynes now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, is there something that you miss from your life uh, over overseas that you can't get in Milton Keynes? Um, only frivolous things. Like the one thing that comes to mind when people say, what do you miss? And I just think it's so funny because first of all, they'll say, like, well, what do you like living better here or there? And I'm like, there's no nice way to answer that question. No. I mean, everyone has home for them and this is not home for me. And I don't think it will ever be truly home because it's not where I'm from, yeah. but just stupid things that I miss, like, you know, certain malls, certain stores. And the number one thing for me is Tex-Mex, Mexican food. It's just not really a thing over here. And I've tried sort of different comparisons and with all due respect, it is not Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I'm like, oh, I can get everything else here. But that's the one thing I'm like, I would murder someone for some chips and salsa and a skinny margarita right now. Big shout to our friends at Chiquito. So Calval <laughs> says, it's not you, it's me. Keep trying. <laughs> Sorry, that's so me. <laughs> it's fine. They probably get it themselves. Pointed out for Tex-Mex, so we've, we've ticked that box of the interview today. Uh, but yeah. we're here to talk about uh, wrestling matches, Val, because we are sending you on a desert island. Uh-oh. Yes. And we... Aren't I already there? I said how it feels right I now. guess you kind of. I guess, you know what, metaphorically, <laughs> we're all kind of on a desert island right now, aren't we? Which is why the concept yeah. of, this pro- of this program has been hilarious, its concept. Um, but uh, we're going to send you on to another one. Uh, and once again, cut <laughs> off from your friends and family. It's the same thing. Great. It's the same thing. So you're going to continue living the life you're living now. Um, but we're going to burn onto a DVD for you. Uh, three wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you are there. What would you like your first wrestling match to be, Val? My, my number one favourite match of all time, I think would surprise people that didn't understand my deep-rooted love for Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, who is my personal Jesus. Um, and it's weird because it's a match that I don't think people would ever expect me to like. But it's Triple H versus Cactus Jack. It's a street fight. <laughs> matches that yeah it is kind of gruesome and it's there's some blood in it and you know I, I really don't like violent matches but the story that goes into it i've talked to mick foley about this match so many times and about how you know triple h hurt his leg in the match with this shard of wood and it's just and then stephanie comes out and there's drama and it's oh i think it's the best match ever in my opinion uh the, the, with this particular one you said oh people will be surprised that this is one of your favorite yeah. matches why why would they be surprised I think because it's it's so it's so out of my normal, ma- you know, I, I like flamboyance in wrestling. I like kind of the more drama and everything like that. And this match is just so much more hardcore. I mean, it's a street fight. It's everyone's very casual. It's very rough and gritty. And I don't really usually respond to matches like that. I think it, sh- it says a lot about Triple H and Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack. 
that they can take a match like that and still make it dramatic and interesting for even a, at the time, you know, what was I, 12-year-old, 13-year-old Val to think it was just so captivating. The whole match, and it's just so many different elements of, of uh, you know, the the violence makes sense to me and, and what they're fighting about is important. And the fact that Stephanie comes out and she's so concerned for her man. I just, I just love it. Why is Stephanie McMahon your personal Jesus? Oh my God, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. oh, she's, she's just the ultimate. I mean, she's exactly what I fashioned, you know, SoCal Val as, you know, like I was wearing the exact same outfits as her and I, all my promos, I was always a heel in, in the independent circuit. And that's kind of how I started was a heel manager. And I just thought she was so believable and, you know, but she still somehow is really likable in to, to females like me growing up watching wrestling. She was the ultimate badass boss babe. You know, she was she sometimes, you know, would use her sexuality. She was still very feminine. She but she could hang in there with the guys. And she you know, the other thing is she wasn't a wrestler and I never wanted to be a wrestler. So when she would wrestle, sometimes it, it did make sense. And I enjoyed her matches, but I just loved her in her speaking roles. And I just thought she is just a force to be reckoned with. She can handle any situation. She holds her own on a microphone better than any woman I think has ever graced wrestling. Yeah, she's just the best. I mean, you don't get better than Stephanie McMahon, ever. Where, where were you when you watched this particular match for the first time? This was 2000. So I remember um, I must have been at my, obviously my family house in uh, Orlando, Florida, which is where I'm mostly from. I mean, you know, I know it's so CalVal makes a lot more sense rhyming wise, but Orlando is really what's, what's home for me. Orlando Vando and, doesn't really scanners well. no i've tried it yeah the copyright <laughs> and everything but my sister you know she and her friend were watching wrestling and they loved like the rock they loved jericho and i remember thinking you know what is this wrestling stuff it's just you know it's for boys and i don't like it and then i saw people like stephanie mcmahon and i thought oh my god well what's her deal and why is she so bitchy and why is she you know allowed to act like this and then you know she get a pie in the face this week is she gonna get her comeuppance and it's the storylines that really captivated me and then around this time was when triple h and stephanie and Kurt Angle had their three-way kind of love triangle. And that, to me, was just the best time ever in wrestling. I've talked to Kurt Angle about this before. I've just been like, you don't understand. Like, a, a lot of times the storylines that people hated doing, I just thought were the most amazing things. So if you're a wrestler and you find yourself in a storyline that you don't think makes sense or you don't think is important, there's always somebody at home that's a fan that's going to really take away from it and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay with them. I loved the... Jericho and Stephanie having Triple H's dog, Lucy. Do you remember that? She oh, was a gosh, bulldog. yeah. Jericho apparently hated that storyline, and he told me that, and I was like, dude, I loved it. I lived for, like, funny stuff like that to happen, and she was mad. You know, Triple H was mad that they had the dog, and they were using the dog as leverage, and the poor dog, and he's like, we just thought that was so dumb. I said, well, try telling that to, you know, 12-year-old Val, who just was in love with those kind of storylines. I loved them. What I love is that this is the first time, I think, in conversation with anybody I've talked about um that particular story and so many people are cross <laughs> with it so it's wonderful to get such a refreshing other look at it which is someone going it was brilliant the, the dog stuff was amazing it was. And, it's, and you know what and, that, and that's why wrestling is great though isn't it because everybody's yes. got a different opinion on it wrestling is like art in that it's very very subjective and again what seems silly and frivolous to some people some people hate the the, the love triangles and the storyline and i was so thrilled that i later got to be in like a love a love triangle and, and the dramatic romantic storyline because guess what as a girl who really wasn't that into the athleticism especially at first i that's what i craved out of these matches i wanted to see you know who was going to get their comeuppance or who was going to you know get in trouble for flirting with, with someone's man or, you know what I mean? The, the soap opera stuff of it. And I know that people shy away from that now, but I'll tell you what, if there wasn't the soap opera aspect, I don't know if I would have ever really gotten that into, into wrestling in the first place. 
what point did you think, okay, now I want to be a part of it? Oh, gosh. I <laughs> I remember the Creed video, My Sacrifice. Oh, wow. Playing, yeah, that's that's like my – like, I could listen to it and cry, like, on the spot. That's just my my – my pinnacle of like, this is what I want to do with my life. Oh my God, it makes me cry right now. I was at a, um, I was at a, a show, actually, Randy Orton, who was a friend of mine. Um, she used to do his website, really sweet girl in California. She, um, you know, when he was in OVW, he needed people to help with his website and stuff. And he, we got tickets from his, uh, from him and sat with his family. And we were hanging out at the, at the uh, you know, at the big arena somewhere in LA or actually, I think it was San Diego. And they played that video to the big crowd. And I remember getting teary and I, and I looked at my friend and I said, that's what I want to do with my life. That is it. Hello, my friend, we'll meet again. It's been a while, where should we begin? Feels like forever. And it was so, it's so crazy because I was so in love with it for such a, such a long time. But that video was kind of when I went, okay, this is what I want to do. And it showed like the storylines and the women and that, that was it for me. Isn't it funny how that one song... <laughs> I do, a, yes. I do a show with um, with my mate Matthew here, and pretty much every time we start the call, one of us will go, "Hello, my friend, we meet again." Oh yeah, in the Scott Stapp voice. <laughs> oh, there's no like he's like it's kind of like a Pearl Jam for a different generation. That voice, that a guttural. Thousand percent. Oh, it's so good, but it's yep. good, but it's but that's amazing. But that video was just encapsulated. I think people still oh. talk about that video to this day as well. The, they should the, the, desire, the WWF Desire video. Oh it's... yeah, I was just talking to someone about that the other day. I was saying. Um, so they had that one. They had the Kurt Angle um, uh, U2. Or no, no, Kurt Angle was Coldplay. clocked by Coldplay. Coldplay and then uh, Triple H had Beautiful Day by U2, what his injury and stuff. Mick Foley had a stained video. You know, Jeff Hardy had Our Lady Peace. Those were, oh, my God, a montage is what I live for in wrestling. And, and it's funny because <laughs> now I do edits and stuff, and it's like, no wonder it means a lot to me is because I, I kind of love putting stuff to music and, you know. Yeah. How ace is that to, to, to know that that was something that inspired your love for wrestling and now you find yourself in a point where you're creating those moments for other people, for the for the smaller SoCal Bells? Okay. Oh, my God, it's so cute. It is It is really, it's a blessing. And it's it's cool to know that, you know, uh, things I loved growing up watching, that there could be young girls that are, you know, 11 or 12 and they could watch something with me in it. And that's just, that's so cool to me, especially when it comes to the female fans because I'm such a girl's girl. And I, I should mention, I you know, it's just my mom, a single mom, and two sisters, so I never had brothers or any sort of like male influence to get me to like sports or anything like that. So it was a real weird thing for me. And I'm the girliest of my family too. I'm like the you know heels and dresses, and it's, it was a weird thing for me to get into. But I think eventually I realized that I that my niche was that I wasn't the t the typical type to get into wrestling. I wasn't an athlete or anything like that. I loved the divas, and that <laughs> you'll see that when it comes to the second match that I've chosen so carefully for you. Mm, okay. <laughs> 
once you watched that video and you went, this is it, this is what I want to do. And even you said yourself, not a massive sporting background in your family. Little things will happen along the way and there will be people that do believe in you here and there. Um, but it all does come down to you having to be a hustler and you kind of making it happen for yourself. Because I was about, let's see, I was 15. I started going to, to some live independent shows and there was a website out there called um, SoCal Uncensored. It was, you know, obviously we're in Southern California. I went to some really small promotions where it had like, you know, guys like Frankie Kazarian and, and Christopher Daniels were starting there. Jerry Lynn was on a lot of these shows. I went. Some of the first shows I went to were actually um, very hardcore wrestling. It was XPW, and that I remember being kind of like, eh, it's a little too hardcore ECW kind of style for me. But I, you know, knew a lot of people that were there, and so I had two friends. Um, I mentioned Deja, who was my best friend that uh, you know knew Randy Orton and helped with his website, and then I had another friend named David J. Getz. Who, and they were, they were quite a bit older than me. So if I was 16, Deja must have been in her early 20s, and, and David was an extra, an, an actor as well in Hollywood. And he knew some of these wrestlers, and we all met, actually, on this set of The Weakest Link. It's such a long story. I'll try to condense it. The Weakest Link, you could go sit in the audience as an extra, and I wanted to go because the wrestlers were on it. So it was like Edge, Triple H, uh, Jericho, all these different people on The Weakest Link game show. And I met these, these two random people, David and Deja, and then we started to go to independent wrestling shows together. And I just knew that I wanted to actually be involved. And eventually my friend David talked to a promoter and said, hey, you know, she'd, she'd love to be on the show. Maybe you can have her manage or something. And he let me manage once and I just kept getting bigger and bigger shows and just really trying to, you know, get tapes of myself managing so that other promotions would kind of know who I was. And yeah, it was a long, long journey, but I eventually then moved to Orlando, and then Impact Wrestling came into town, and kind of the rest is history. What was your first role within uh, Impact Wrestling? Well, when they when they came to Orlando, where I was living, um, they had their shows, you know, the same Impact Zone that we always had, and I would show up to all the shows. I remember going through security, and every time I had these tapes, like these VHS tapes, and I would think, okay, I've got my resume and my tape, and if I can speak to anybody backstage, if I can, you know, be seen as somebody who's there to contribute to the business, because a lot of times as a girl, you're kind of, especially a young girl, and you're like dressed up, they must think, okay, does she like want to date these wrestlers? What is she doing? I was trying to make sure that they knew I was professional. I had my resume, my tapes. And I eventually um, spoke to David Sahadi, who was a producer, fantastically talented, amazing producer, and a wonderful guy. Um, he was with WWE for years, and then he was with Impact Wrestling. He was in charge of, guess what, all of those amazing backstage moments and, and montages and things, and he had such a cool eye for it. He let me be a production assistant backstage. He kind of went, okay, I know this girl wants to get in the business, and he goes, I know that you don't really want to be a production assistant, but if I can get you backstage and sort of working around and with the people, they'll eventually realize that you should be on air talent. So I remember I, I was working on a, um, a promo backstage. I literally was having to spray a water bottle so it looked like mist in the background while Monty Brown was working out. There was a pay-per-view where they had like an Elvis theme and Nash and Scott Hall and Jeff Jarrett were in a car with like the top down and a green screen behind them. So we had to be on, under the camera, like like moving the car so it looked like the, the car was driving. So I was doing a lot of these weird things backstage, just again, assisting in production. And then eventually someone else who believes in me, thank goodness, Jeremy Borash, let me be ring girl. And then from Ring Girl, you know, came the storylines eventually. And then that kind of led to many years later, understanding that my role was much better suited to being a presenter and an announcer. And that's, thank goodness, I kind of went into that field because it's given me the skills now to do things that are not just wrestling related. So that's always a concern, I think, for people in wrestling. You don't want to just be seen as only a wrestler. 
you want to have skills that you can use behind the camera, editing, um, you know, writing scripts for commercials, filming the commercials, interviewing fans, that kind of stuff. So I tried to be really well-rounded in that respect so I wasn't just one note. Here's the thing, too. Like, you can't ever be above doing that kind of stuff. I, I see that a lot with a lot of independent wrestlers that are like, oh, well, I just do this. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about trying to learn a different skill? Or Because I'm sorry, but with wrestling especially, you can get injured. You don't, know how many, you don't have any other skill set at all. So, you know, try to learn every aspect of the business. NXT and the Performance Center, they're wonderful about that. And, having, you know, they have the guys and girls do different parts of the business so they really understand and appreciate. And sometimes they find that they're, you know, better suited to different parts. My friend Byron, who was a wrestler for many years, is now such a great commentator, and that's where his strengths lie. And he's, But did he seek out to be a commentator to begin with? No. So, you know, all we want to do is contribute to the business, and you have to be willing to do it everything within it to understand and appreciate it and to contribute with respect. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Your second match, Val, for your DVD, what have we got? Well, I really pulled out the big guns with this one. I thought, okay, what do I think of when I think of technical wrestling matches? Okay. 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 And my mind immediately goes to bra and panties. I grew up loving the divas, the diva era. With all due respect to the wrestlers who were more more serious, I didn't you know, dislike them. It was just that the ones that I resonated with were the Tori Wilsons, the Stacey Keeblers, the Trish Stratuses. I loved the divas postcard from the Caribbean. I wanted to model. I wanted to manage. I wanted to use, you know, uh, to distract the referee with sexiness. I've always been on that side of things, and I think it's so cool that we had both for a long time. We had the girls being more serious wrestlers, and then we had kind of the more model types doing both. I miss having both, but my favorite women's match of all time is Trish and Lita versus Tori and Stacey, bra and panties match. It was Invasion of 2001. 
person of this match. Well, I hope you're not wearing one. But it may be. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm a boxer. Again, to win this match, you got to strip both of your opponents, both women, of their, down to their bra and panties. I thought the invasion angle was just the most fun, unexpected. You never knew who was going to pop up on which network. It was just, I think, the most exciting time in wrestling. And, I, you know, people can make fun of these bra and panties matches all they want. This one was actually really, really good. Of the bra and panties matches, I'm pretty sure this was sort of your the the, the Rock Austin or the the There's Gracie yes. of bra and panties <laughs> matches. And you yeah. can genuinely, all jokes aside, as you say, you can appreciate that there was a lot of thought that went into the, yes. the spots in that one. It wasn't just a case of let's go out there and fill four minutes. You could tell you no. there were pros and in there. Was, mm -hmm. And it was you could tell it was a huge moment, especially when when uh, I don't want to spoil it, but let's be honest, when Lita and Trish won, it, when then she almost fell off the stage. I remember thinking that was really funny. Probably not funny now, but at the time. Um, but yeah, they were so excited. It was such a big moment for these girls to get this spotlight on them, you know, in a tag team match. And bra and panties, of course, maybe that wasn't their first choice. I don't know. I always loved bra and panties matches. Um, you know, I'm a girl. I was like, oh, what are they going to be wearing? This is fun. Uh, probably liking it for different reasons than men would, I suppose. But anyway, I thought it was girly, and the whole build-up, because this is the thing with matches with, with me, if there's not a build-up, there's not a reason why someone's fighting, it, it's very hard for to keep my interest. But with this storyline, it was, you know, Matt and Lita, and then Trish and Jeff, and just as they were kind of all becoming these cute couples, then who are these two little brats coming in, these little blondies coming in from WCW? And they were in the backstage area, and they were flirting with the guys and trying to, you know, kiss their hands and just being all, oh, my God, it was very scandalous. And so Trish and Lita caught wind of that, and, you know, a cat fight ensued as it should. And it was, you know, a big moment for them. I remember loving it. And I, honestly, I love that match. <laughs> I should watch it again. Do you think there's, there is some leverage or some leeway for a return of a of at least one bra and panties match in wrestling i don't see why not and I, you know i think they were kind of getting a lot closer to the generation that i loved with lana i thought lana was kind of the the last one i can think of that was really doing more managerial things and getting a lot of microphone time and looked sexy and used her feminine wild i loved that and then they kind of you know i know that management and, and being having managers and valets is very cyclical they might not always do it sometimes it becomes a thing whatever but with her, I kind of had hope that, ooh, maybe they're going to start to do more girly diva type things. And again, I think, you know, my biggest concern is I just think we need both. I don't think it should only be the divas who are not taken seriously. But it's fun to have sort of a fluff piece and to have kind of a piece where a scene where it's, you know, like we were saying about being distracted in lockdown, something that's not going to be super intense and blood and these scary matches. Sometimes it's fun to have like a storyline with the girls in the back. Remember Stacy and Dawn Marie were, were fighting one time because they were both trying to be Vince's assistant and there was cattiness going on and you know, it was just lighthearted and again, very soap opera and I, I loved that. Now, will you marry me? He just popped the question. What? I mean, he's doing it for the guys, everybody. At Slammiversary. Is that a yes? I mean, we now know why he's preoccupied, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I guess that confirms it. Slammiversary. Did he say, will you marry me at Slammiversary? What he said, and she said, Oh, yeah! Together, our love will last forever. Together, just you 
you found yourself in a, in a very soap opera situation within TNA. Um, I and, did. Uh, this was, I followed TNA from, from its inception, but I was always drawn into the chemistry between yourself and Jay Lethal <laughs> and Sanjay Dutt. Uh, and I, I talk us through how, how that love triangle story all, all came to life. Because the, 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 the Jay Lethal stuff is savage. Kind of, oh. kind of came, across, came out uh, almost as a happy accident, didn't it? It did. And he's so talented. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I didn't want to, you know, exactly pick a match that I was in for these three matches. But I did want to I had to pick this match because Jay Lethal versus Sanjay Dutt, which is the Ladder of Love match, which is uh, No Surrender 2008. I picked that match because for me, it was a big turning point. You know, it was kind of I felt like I finally when I executed this controversial heel turn, I kind of was getting back to the vow that I had always been for years before that happened. So if I started in 2002, all those years in the indie circuit, I was, I mean, primarily, almost always a heel character. And I was doing FIP and involved with guys like Gabe and um, Gabe Sapolsky and Sal from, you know, there's a lot of them are still running Evolve and or with WWE now. And they would always give me the opportunity to go out there and cut different promos. And they would give me bullet points, but they wouldn't try to get me to sound scripted. They, I, that's when I really, really grew was what they gave me. And with the Impact Wrestling storylines, it was sort of, it was fun for me. And, and and I had fun being the baby face and being the sweet character with Jay Lethal. And it was lovely and adorable, but it really didn't feel like me. And, and especially in terms of wrestling, because again, I grew up loving Stephanie McMahon, who was always a heel. So when I finally got to have this turn, you can see I do this kind of like Stephanie McMahon heel smirk purposely as a little homage to myself and to her, obviously, you know, my own personal thing, because I just felt like, okay, now I can be Val. Val is not this America sweetheart, whatever. I was always very, you know, concerned with money and, and, and rich brat, you know, that was the whole thing. So when that storyline twisted into that, I was like, here we go. Okay. Now I can sink my teeth into this role. And, you know, Sanjay was just hilarious. The, the, the vignettes that we did were uh, Sanjay and I, you know, were kind of, having this weird little, these weird little looks and moments. And Jay and I were on these dates and Sanjay just kept literally popping up out of nowhere. He was even in a hot tub one time. We had so much fun filming those and we were all such good friends. It was so funny. Um, those, that was probably the best time I think that I had in wrestling for sure. It was just, and again, I found myself in a love triangle, which is what I exactly wanted to do when I was watching. Like, they could have given me anything. It could have been a totally different character than my own, or it could have been a different situation but the fact it had like a romantic side was perfect for me uh with your uh, do you still speak to jay lethal yes and sanjay yes yes jay so more often but uh i i love those guys yeah they'll always be sort of like family to me <laughs> Weird. do you kind of wish that more could have happened after the story finished for sure and i think you know sanjay and i were kind of really getting to our stride of, of being this really hate you know dislikable couple we were just you know he was kind of gross about things and i was just really kind of you know all about the money and you know oh well how, how big's the ring gonna be and all this horrible stuff and i think we could have really kept it going but that was a weird time in tna you know jay and sanjay eventually were not in the company anymore and i was sort of left to go okay well now what do i do and eventually they did ask me i think it was terry taylor who i love and he said you know okay so the boys are now not here would you would it be a big step backward to going back to ring girl and i remember thinking to myself this is really uh, one of those moments where I could just go, oh, sure, whatever. But I stood my ground and I said, first of all, it is a very big step backward. But if it's what the company would like me to do and I can still be here and contribute in whatever way, I'll do it. So then I kind of went back and that's when it started to get kind of, um, I wouldn't say depressing. It started to get kind of frustrating. Uh, but for me, I was thought to myself, well, here I am doing Ring Girl again when I could be doing more on camera and more announcing and things like that. But eventually if that hadn't happened, 
I don't think I would have given, they wouldn't have given me the opportunities they did. So Mike Weber came into the company who was our VP of marketing and he's still who I work with at Fight TV. And Jeremy Borash had me doing um, ring announcing on the house shows. And to be honest, I wasn't seen as on camera nearly as much towards from then to the end of Impact Wrestling. If you watched online, you saw me all the time. Or if you came to a live show, you saw a lot of me. But as soon as those cameras switched on, very often I wasn't really on the show, which was frustrating. But to be honest, I was learning so much during those years about I mean, to be ring announcing an entire show by yourself on the road doing these house shows at my age and everything was kind of a big, big responsibility. And then I was sort of doing different tasks in the office. Like we had uh, appearances for one of our sponsors, Direct Auto Insurance. You know, it was kind of my job to get the talent there and to liaison with the, with the sponsor. And I was having a lot of roles that were behind the scenes that nobody really ever knew about. But I knew that I was really getting a lot of new skills that would help me later in life. So I'm really grateful for that. But it's funny because people don't really understand. They're kind of, people would say things, why is she still here? And they had no idea But anyone that you knew in Impact would say, that was the one that's running around like crazy, changing outfits all the time and, and <laughs> you know, working on these new scripts that she's making and trying to do this, trying to do that. And I was really, really hardworking. I remember very often I was the last one, the last girl to leave especially doing Ring Girl on top of it. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a really crazy time. <laughs> You're one for always turning what many would perceive as a negative into a positive. Where do you, for sure. Where do you yeah. get that and your work ethic from, do you think? I don't really know. I mean, my mom is, you know, I think I always say my mom, um, being a single mom and raising three girls by herself and kind of never needing a man and just being very, uh, she just was a very together lady, still is. You know, she's 68 now. She is just such a, I don't even, it doesn't even occur to me when I think of like women that are just, you know, they're relying on someone for a man for financial help or they can't do things on their own or they, you know, my mom drove cross, cross country with us. Like she, she's just, she just goes and gets it and gets it done. So I kind of don't know anything other than that. And I have such a great role model in her that it just wasn't ever a concern like, oh, well, you know, we're not really taught or we weren't really raised to just kind of wallow in self-pity. And it's all right. So we, this happened. How are we going to fix it? What's the positive here? What can we do? So I think my mom was definitely the reason that I was and still am really strong when it comes to that. Even even rejection, like when you go on auditions for things and you don't get things. I talk to a lot of people in the industry and it really bothers them and they get so hung up on mean tweets and this and that. And it's like, listen, you can let things bother you for a minute, but then it's going to just start to eat away at you and it's it distracts you from your goal. You can't give stuff like that any life. And I'm really lucky that I was kind of taught that from a really young age. Your time with Impact came to an end in 2013. You did lots of roles within the company, but um, yeah. do you remember what was the point that kind of made you go, we're, we're done here? Uh, I kind of felt it coming around because, I mean, this is this was a weird time. Everyone was getting fired, basically. Like, uh, uh, you know, towards the end of the of that era, people were just being let go left and right. And I remember thinking, well, you know, am I going to be next? What's going on? And, you know, I t I've told this story before. I took many years to kind of talk about it, but it was kind of like I was really ready to go. I just knew I was like, listen, they're not really focusing on I'm not getting any sort of screen time. I'm kind of I'm not doing anything where I feel like I'm moving forward. That to me was the biggest the biggest problem. It wasn't just, oh, I wanted to be on TV. It was the fact that I'd been there for so many years and I really wasn't moving any forward at all. And I, you know, you, you do start to feel underappreciated for sure. I did towards the end. And, you know, we, we discussed a contract and it was kind of like, okay, well, we're not going to, I don't remember how it went. It was very back and forth. Like we are going to re renew your contract. And I thought, okay, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut and just be happy to have the job. Then it was, well, we're not going to renew it, but we're going to give you a different contract. And it's you know probably what I remember. It wasn't as good of a contract. And, you know, I remember I, I spoke to Dixie personally and we just kind of agreed that she said, you know, can you can you think about it? We're going to have this new contract. 
um, blah, blah, blah. Can you think about it? I said, yes, I'll think about it. And when I got off the phone, I knew that I, I, my decision was already made. And I sent a really lovely email to him, to her and to Jeremy Borash and Jeff Jarrett and all these people that have, you know, signed me on when I was just barely 18. And I thanked them. And I knew that that was kind of just not the place for me anymore. And then after that, uh, that's about 2013. I did a lot of, you know, comic cons and signings and indie shows and this and that. I've talked to WWE quite a bit. And that was a weird time to try to go to WWE. Like nobody was really for hiring people from Impact, which is really weird. And I kept getting these weird runaround kind of things. And I, you know, I did extra work for WWE and I had someone tell me that, oh, since you're, you've been on Impact, which they acted like they had no idea what it was, but they did know what it was. Um, you know, they wanted me to wear a mask in this Adam Rose's Rosebuds thing because they didn't just they just really gave me a weird vibe about like almost that I should be ashamed for having worked for so many years, nine years in impact wrestling. And at that point, maybe 12 years or so in wrestling in general. And I thank goodness that it, it's changed now. They have everyone that was you know amazing from impact wrestling. It was just a time where I don't think they were really willing to be happy for anyone that was had made a name for themselves if it wasn't with WWE. And I had already made a name for myself without WWE, and I'm proud of that. But I was always a WWE fan, you know? That's what I grew up watching. It wasn't a WCW girl, really was not an ECW girl. Moving to England, I kept thinking, this is just not happening, and I, I don't really want, I don't think I really enjoy wrestling as much anymore. So then I came to England, I got a lot of opportunities, and the one thing that I have to say that really restored my love for it was getting WOS Wrestling and being, you know, a female commentator and an American on a British show. That was really, really cool. But when that sort of, you know, we still, people are still asking if there's going to be another season. We don't know. But after that, I kind of thought, you know, I'm in a new country. I know that my my longevity in wrestling is probably not something I want to keep pursuing. I mean, do I want to be in wrestling only my whole life? No. So I, I enjoy wrestling, uh, doing wrestling appearances and things like that. But I certainly don't watch it much anymore at all, if I'm honest. Uh, that shocks people. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, get, I get it. And even when it's work and you love it, you still have to have that time not yeah. not loving it and being away from it otherwise your, your head will fall off essentially yeah and you know it's it's never was one of those things so someone asked me in an interview not long ago they said what was it what, what was it that turned you off of wrestling i said no no, no ne never nothing ever turned me off but it. it was just like okay i've been doing this since i was barely barely 16 i'm now 34 living in a different country and it's just really not my concern too much anymore to be a huge part of wrestling. I'm happy to do, you know, work with Fight TV and host, you know, for the love of wrestling here in, in the UK when I can. And I'm so honored to have been in wrestling and still somewhat be involved. But as far as like, am I going to pursue it as a career, you know, at 34, uh, having done it for so long, I think it's high time, you know, to branch out. That's why I love Gaw TV and it's girls from wrestling, but it's not a wrestling show. And, you know, doing my fashion interviews and things like that. I have so many other passions outside of wrestling that I think now is the time to really hone in on those and to kind of branch out. As well as taking three wrestling matches, um, I like to spring this on people, by the way. Um, it's not bad. Okay. Um, I'm allow you're also allowed to take a movie, an album, and a luxury item. It's always nice to get what people's first reactions are to those three. So a if, movie, I was to tell you, album. Oh. if I was to tell you you could take a movie, what's the first movie that comes to mind? Well, I would say Titanic because it's my favorite movie, but that's not exactly on a desert island. It's not a very good heartwarming movie to watch. Oh, uh, either that or maybe all the Harry Potters. But I mean, Titanic is flawless or, you know, it's it's and it's long. It would keep me entertained for four and a half hours. <laughs> what? I'll say Titanic. Titanic, okay. What about an album? Oh, an album. Oh, I, I think of, of albums that I love. Uh, a band that is my favorite of all time. I don't think they're around anymore. Um, there is a Vast album, V-A-S-T, and it's Visual Audio Sensory Theater. And I think it's probably the best album ever. And I 
I'm obsessed. I love all their albums, but especially that one. Actually, one of the songs is called Touched. It's probably the only song that people would know by Vast, I think. Um, AJ Styles used it a bit in his music uh, ages ago, but I couldn't believe he knew that song because it was actually used in a preview for the movie The Beach. And it's just, it's my favorite song ever. And it's the whole album is just from top to bottom. It's really, really good. And people aren't surprised by that, though, because it's not very, like, happy, like, driving in a convertible with the top down kind of music that people would expect me to listen to. But I love it. It's very, it's very dark. So good luck finding that one on, the, on Google. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've, got a, uh, we've got a depressing movie, a dark album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What 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 you say? What's the luxury item going to be? I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't know, for this. therapist. I mean, jeez. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, ooh, uh, ooh, some really really expensive sunscreen from Vichy. V i c h y. Gotta look after your skin, and it has to be luxury. It has to be the really expensive kind that's like you know fifty pounds a bottle. So I feel, I feel like <laughs> what a diva. I know, no, hey, it's your it's your desert island. I feel like with something like sunscreen, like you, you sort of, it's trial and error to learn which one works for you because you'll go out in the sun on, with like factor three and then just burn yeah. to a crisp and you go, okay, next time factor four, maybe. So you have to I, find the middle. Yeah. I hate the sun too. I hate being hot. I hate sunshine. I'm not a beachy person. So I'm going to be pissed off and, and on this island no matter what, but at least I won't be burning. At least I'll have some lovely tropical well, that's, it's, luxury it's, it's, it's incredible to hear that somebody like yourself who grew up in Orlando oh, yeah. is so against... Yeah. Think so. Is that part of the reason why you moved to landlocked Milton Keynes? <laughs> no, but it's funny because I've, I've lived in, you know, California, Texas, and Florida, all huge states that are ridiculously hot, right? Especially Florida. It's just, there's not, you know, it's all humidity and it's horrendous. I don't miss that. But no, my husband's from uh, Stony Stratford. So he and I met, oh gosh, I think about five years ago. And I have a sister that lives in London. And then my other sister is actually, she studies in Birmingham. So, and my mom's here all the time to see them too. So literally my whole family is here. Um, but you know, not to sound sappy, but if, if you find the right one, which I have, you'd move to, you know, you live in an igloo with them. He, I would have moved anywhere for this man. He's lovely. Am I right in thinking you met during your second time round with, with Impact Wrestling? No, um, I don't think it was the TNA tour. He, I saw him on the TNA tour, uh, cause he knows MVP. He's friends with a few of the wrestlers, but he and Steve Linsky, who's, who actually kind of introduced us. I was here actually, it was the first or second time I was doing a, a show with Showmasters, who I still work for. They used to have a show here in, in Milton Keynes called Collector Mania. It was like a big comic con. I was doing Collector Mania in Milton Keynes and Cardiff, um, Collector Mania or whatever it was called, you know, comic con. And I remember people kept saying like, oh, you know, you're going to love Cardiff, Milton Keynes. There's nothing to do. It's not fun. I'll tell you what, Cardiff wasn't even that memorable. Milton Keynes was cool. Like it was like there's shopping here. There's like cute little bars and yeah. And um, actually, my husband, uh, he's a restaurateur by trade, and he had a, a pub that he owned out in um, Newton Longville, and it was really fancy and it was like late. I thought, why are we going to this? It was like me, D'Lo Brown, Steve Linsky, Rockstar Spud. And um, I remember thinking, like, gosh, this is so far. Like, why can't we just go to, like, Subway? It's right there. And <laughs> and I'm so glad we did because we got um, – I got to meet my husband, who was one of the owners, and we just kept in touch. I came back another few months later for a tour and different things. He came out with a few of us um, on a night out in London, and that was it. That was it. We, we kind of scheduled our first date, like, five months after that. And I said to my mom, either I've really misconstrued this situation or this is the rest of my life, but I'm pretty sure it's the second one. And yeah, from that first date, that first official date in Cardiff, actually, he came to a show I was doing. Uh, I was like, that's it. Move, I'll move wherever you want me to move. <laughs> uh, He's a good dude. People get married and they, they just kind of know. We got married pretty soon after that. And you always hear, like, you hear these older couples and they just go, yeah, I just knew. And we just got married and that was it. And they stayed together for 
you know, for a long, long time. So, yeah, he's he's a really lovely guy. He's he's what my friend Raj uh, Ginger Mahal would call a civ, meaning a civilian. He's not in wrestling whatsoever. Even though when we do go to shows, people think that he's Trent Seven. And I'm like, can I put put it on the record that I'm not married to Trent Seven? Because they do look similar. I'm like, no. But have they been in the same room at the same time? No, and that's kind of scary mm. if you think about it. Mm-hmm. There's chicken, there's fried chicken, baked chicken. What you want? You want ham? I like you how Mickey says ham. What do you, want? you got it all. Ham. <laughs> there's potato salad, macaroni salad, ham. There's chicken, there's fried chicken, baked chicken. What you want? You want ham? I like you how Mickey says ham. What do you, want? you got it all. Ham. <laughs> you never have enough. Did you guys cook? This is the word go, yo. Let's talk about Gore TV. This is this is a project of yours that, that uh, what you can watch, but only from merely two episodes. You can see how much all yeah. three of you love it. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's it's so fun. It's kind of a passion project because um I've kind of t- wanted to do talk shows over the years for very different reasons. And obviously having the wrestling background and the connections that we have and all of our friends are in wrestling, we knew that it would be something that we could all sort of work on together. And Mickey was doing the same thing. She was thinking, well, I, I, she's always wanted to do a show as well. So we were talking about it. I actually was talking to Nick, who's also a good friend of mine, her husband, and the great champ, Nick Aldis. And I said, you know, I want to start doing some interviews. And you'll have to let me interview you. And then we were all laughing about what we could do. And Mickey uh, and I started talking. And, of course, we wanted a third host, and we were such good friends with Lisa. She's somebody I would talk to on Voxer, like, every day. And she's just such a, the perfect, you know, fit. And we're all so funny, but we're so different. And what's cool about it is we're all in different sort of parts in our life. Like, I'm, you know, 34, somewhat newly married, living in a different country, trying to branch out of wrestling. Mickey is only the only mom in the group, so she's got that insight. And she's, you know, still with WWE and still very much in wrestling. Lisa is retired from wrestling. But now kind of going back into the restaurant business, which she was in before and during wrestling. And we're all just in different stages of our lives, but we're all so girly and giggly. We love our wine. We love our, you know, we wear funny pajamas and stuff on the show. And we wanted it to be just a variety show and girl talk. And every single Wednesday night, we're in there in the live chat. It premieres at 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 10 p.m. here in the U.K. And not every show is the same. You know, we're going to have guests on eventually. But for now, it's just us talking about different things. We're we're focusing on, you know, our female fan base and, and building other women up and supporting other women. Just in the next episode this week, you'll hear us talking about Soraya's store, you know, Paige from WWE. And we want it to be a really safe space for women to come talk. But we also have our guy friends that will come in. And we've already had a couple cameos that you'll see coming up. So, yeah, it's it's from women in wrestling or that were in wrestling. But I can't say that it's a wrestling show. It's really just a variety show. And it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's there's everything's lighthearted about the show. You're not going to watch it. And, and feel the same. You're going to watch it and walk away thinking, that was fun. You know, I, I feel rejuvenated. That's our whole goal. Who pitched the idea, first of all? Was it yourself? Uh, well, I don't know. I guess it was between Mickey and I because we kind of were both working on shows in our own heads. And I, I for years ago in Orlando, had an idea to do a show that was similar to this, but it was more like a, a recorded um, late-night talk show. And Mickey had always had the name for grown-ass women, um, you know, Gaw TV. She and Alicia Fox had kind of coined that term. So we were going back and forth on different names. We just thought that name was so... To really hold on to that name, because, you know, grown-ass women is what we are. We're, we're not these, you know, little 18-year-olds started in wrestling. We're, like I said, one of us is, is a mom now. We're in serious relationships, you know. We're in different parts of the country. So we thought that name kind of made it... It made a lot of sense for us. And when you think of a grown-ass woman, you think of a show that's going to be, you know, about different things in your life, relationships, career paths, all these things that we're going to discuss. And, you know, but, but again, while keeping it fun and lighthearted, of course. Uh, you say you've got some guests coming up. I mean, what's the plans going forward with the show? Because obviously during lockdown, you guys can't be together 
face to face. But uh, have you got big plans going forward for what you want to do with the show? Uh, continuity is, is a big deal to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the show every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. UK every week. And what's great about it is, you know, when Mickey's back on the road, I, I very often will travel away on weekends to host comic cons and do things like that. Lisa's busy with her restaurant and everything going on. So we have made it a pact that we're going to make sure that we, we do this every single week. Um, you know, thank goodness the show is not live because that really would get us in trouble. Even if we wanted it to be live, it's just impossible because, you know, Mickey could be somewhere with WWE. I could be somewhere. Lisa could be busy. So we have to make sure that we have, you know, at least an episode or, or depending on timing, an episode in the can. So we have it ready to go for you guys every week. But every week also, when it, in terms of the live factor, we want to be sure that we're in that chat room every week, whether it's, you know, Mickey one time and only Lisa one time. Or we're going to make sure that the fans know that we're engaging with them as it's live. But of course, on social media, too. And that's the most fun about the show is the fan interaction. So we have something called hashtag random act of modeling. And we're challenging our fans to <laughs> to do mundane tasks, but make them fierce and to model. We have fans that have uh, sent in video submissions for questions. And, you know, we want to feature them and kind of give back to them and show them that we're here, we're listening and being a part of that chat and, and reading the tweets on, on the show and things like that and showing these videos is just a little thank you to them. I did see the one of you watering the roses recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to be the one to start off that that trend. So, yeah, we've got one a submission from Mickey as well. And Lisa's made a little video for her modeling, too. So we've actually we're thinking about um, starting a Patreon. So in the next few days, there's probably going to come some news out of that. Um, because we want to do as much fun as we have in the chat room. There's some fans that are super, super loyal, and they want to see even more bonus footage. They want to see exclusives from Mickey and Lisa and I every week. So we've toyed with the idea of that, too, because I have a Patreon um, that I love using. I do a lot of sexy photo shoots because I love photo shoots, a lot of fan interaction, live chat. So we thought, why not do one for, you know, our Gaw TV fans? Hashtag Team Gaw. You did mention this, actually. I, I think it's probably in, in, uh, in a previous interview where you talked about how much you love doing photo shoots, especially now in, in lockdown. Can you give any advice for somebody wanting to do some professional photo shoots while stuck indoors? Because they, oh they all look great. Like The photos that oh, you take, the you. quality of them look great. I just didn't know whether there was a trick I was missing. You know, Obviously, away from the dresses, because I've got ones I can wear and I'll look fabulous in them. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> yeah, dressing for your body type, for sure. But no, I mean, I, I have, all, I have you know, different little things I use. I have equipment. I've got little tri pods i've got lighting um and it's just really it comes with experience and it sounds silly but when people always ask me about selfies oh i don't know i don't take good selfies and i'm like well how many have you tried doing i mean very often for me it's numbers 35 out of 100 that's good you know <laughs> it's just it's something you have to kind of practice and really enjoy doing and knowing your angles and having years of experience in modeling it's the same the same thing really applies like whether i'm in my backyard i mean what else can i do here other than be in my backyard doing a photo shoot or a paddling pool or lingerie or whatever you have to have fun with it, and and I know I know that some girls in wrestling, in particular, are not really keen on keen on doing photo shoots, and that's fine. But that's you know that was half the fun of me being in wrestling is I wanted to do those photo shoots and do the the sexy stuff. So for me, I just I've always enjoyed it. And for a while there, kind of after Impact, I thought you know I'm going to do some more serious photo shoots, and I did. And I love sort of fashion editorials. But after a while, I kind of got back to doing the lingerie shoots, and I thought I love this. You know, there's nothing wrong with you know, celebrating your femininity and, and, you know, feeling empowered by doing a sexy photo shoot. And I've always loved that. I'm not saying I will at maybe 50, but <laughs> for right now it's really entertaining myself. You, um, on the subject of photo shoots, it's been quite uh, widely talked about, but uh, you were offered a, a Playboy photo shoot. Yes, yeah. Um, that was back in the day. I'm not sure what year it was with Impact Wrestling. And I was on board. Um, uh, Impact Wrestling had a bit of a an issue with the fact that I guess Playboy's editors had been changed and they really weren't as keen to give I think the Impact Wrestling girls uh, the same sort of uh, features that the 
WWE girls got. But at the end of the day, WWE was always a much bigger company, still is. So I think that kind of hurt me in the sense that I would have loved to have worked with Playboy because I've always loved the Playboy brand. I loved the show, The Girls Next Door. So eventually, so I mean, the, the short story there is I agreed. I was happy with the idea. And Impact Wrestling, they weren't really keen on um, how Playboy was going to feature them, which is really a shame. I know Tracy Brooks did it right before me. Uh, but before I was talking to them, and that she kind of was opening the door for everyone to, you know, maybe get the Playboy name with Impact Wrestling. I think it would have been a really cool partnership. But I think it's a shame that at the time they just they weren't really keen to work with them. I thought that was very stupid on their part. <laughs> Your third and final match, we've we've already uh, touched briefly upon it. It's the uh, the Ladder of Love match. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a special Ladder of Love match. The match is won when one of the suitors climbs a ladder and secures possession of the engagement ring, thereby winning the match. And so Cal Val's part, introducing first the woman who is putting her ring and heart on the line tonight. So, Sanjay Dutt's fighting for yourself. Now, my initial thought was, I thought you'd be up the ladder. <laughs> oh God, no, not in those heels. No, I was gonna, no, I was gonna say. Because I remember we, when we when they, when they came up with that idea for the for the ring to be above the ring, uh, you know, the engagement ring to be above the wrestling ring. I remember thinking, even for me, this is kind of like cheesy pushing it storyline. But what's what's beautiful about that match is whatever you want to say about the the storyline. It actually is a really, really good technical match. Jay and Sanjay killed themselves out there. Impact. And it, it was easy for me to always cry during the matches with Jay and Sanjay. And I remember thinking, now that they know I can cry, I think they just had me do it way too often, if I'm honest with you, but that's their decision. But, uh, you know, I, I do get very emotional out there. People got hurt. I'm not good with blood. And I love these guys to death. So to see them, like, there were some brutal, uh, you know, crashes and falls in that match off the ladder and with the ladder. And it was it was really intense. I, mean, I didn't help things much by the way I finished things in the match, but... You know, it's still a little bit controversial, but I stand by my, my decision. Were you anxious about the turn at the end of that match? Yes, but like in a really good way. Like I just wanted it to, to look and feel great. I wanted that big reaction. I could tell that a lot of people kind of saw it coming because that's kind of the beauty of wrestling, isn't it? It's not like, you know, we're not watching Clockwork Orange here. It's not that layered. So I think people kind of knew, but I remember what, what the, I remember hearing the reaction and like what it felt like to get in the ring. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be so good. And the way that the I have to kudos to the camera crew because the way that they caught all the reactions and just the you know my my feigning shock and then it went into this evil smirk and if I, I knew the whole time, and then I'll tell you what that kiss at the end was so hysterical because Christy Hemi and Lance uh, Hoyt they used to do this thing when they were rockers and they would have to make out and we were always like oh you guys are so gross, and I said I'm gonna outgross you and she's like no you won't I said yes I will I said you need you need to watch this match. <laughs> And it was the most tonguey, awful thing ever. And I remember um, when I went to the back, the guys were all laughing and they were like, Val, when you did that thing and you sort of like, I, I guess I did a thing where I kind of like bit his lower lip and like pulled it out. It was so graphic. But I knew what I was doing. I was trying to shock everyone. They were like, you're insane. So it was just, it was funny. I'm like, hey, 
that's my one skill. <laughs> Something I can tell my grandchildren, you know? Lovely. <laughs> I did. Lovely. I gross kissed on a live wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah. Uncle Sanjay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because Jay Lethal and my kisses were always so, like, sweet and, like, oh, and this was, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, Oopsie. It was, it was the gross kiss heard around the world, and it's a, it was. It's a fabulous way to, to end our time together. <laughs> this has been such a lovely chat, Val. Thank you so much for your time. Please don't have that mental image of me when we get off the call here, because it's pretty creepy. But no, it's, I appreciate it's the, it very It's the much. album art for the podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Uh, Val, where can people go to find out all about yourself and Gore TV and everything that you're up to? Oh, well, it's definitely um, our new website is gawtv.com. Easy to remember. Um, I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash SoCalVal. I'm on Twitter. You can find me easily on Twitter and Instagram because I'm verified. And yeah, please drop me a note and tell me that what you thought of the interview and, and tell me that you're not judging me for, for that Sanjay mishap because people, I think, are still not over it. Oh, well. 